It is time to go deeper in God's Word. It's time to engage in truth. Here is Dr. Steve Ford and Pastor John Bornsheen. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornsheen. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. I'm so glad that you're tuning in again today. I'm here in the studio with Dr. Steve Ford, as always. Dr. Ford, it's so good to have you back, my friend, as we talk about a very serious subject today. And uh, I hope that uh, you'll be blessed by everything he has to share on this subject matter as well, because today we are talking about homosexuality. Already, I've probably gotten your attention because it's not just simply one type of sexual sin that we're going to be talking about here today, because we're going to actually go through over even the next few weeks as we continue in highlighting these 10 issues that often divide Christians, and it should never be as such. We should always be going to God's Word to hear what God has to say on all of these subject matters. In the last two weeks, we've been talking about the seriousness of abortion and highlighting that. Last week, I really shared with you even a little bit about my own personal testimony, having been spared uh, in the womb and God giving me life after my mother in, in all of the hardships of her running away from home and being sexually abused and uh, having a number of abortions. She kept me, and I praise God for what he has done in her life and our relationship. She is a devout woman of prayer, loves the Lord deeply. It's been a wonderful journey to see the miracle after miracle that has happened in that. So we wanted to spend a couple weeks on that subject. And then now today we are talking about this very serious issue in our culture, not just in America, it's around the world right now. You're seeing it all around. It is in parades, on television, flaunted in just about every movie or television program. This issue of homosexuality, and it's even going beyond that, transgenderism and just about every type of uh, expression sexually that's being thrown in our faces to deem it as normal, that this is okay socially and societally. And that's not what the Bible teaches us. There's a, a proper biblical worldview on this, and that's what we want to highlight here for you today, because a biblical worldview on marriage in a culture of moral relative in a culture of moral relativism, let's call it that for what it is, that is why we need to have a proper understanding. How do we go to God's word? How do we navigate these things? Because emotions can dominate our train of thought. We can feel really good about something, justify that perspective, then try to find all the scriptures that support that perspective and completely misapplying and misusing God's holy word. So, uh, Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth to help me with such a uh, very tough subject, because I, I think that what we're going to find is that all the emails that may even come in and the phone calls will be from family members who, perhaps a, a mom or dad, who are battling through this. They have a child who is in the school system today, being told how okay this is, uh, they're, they're being uh, reverse-engineered or deconstructionism going on where they're being told that all that stuff that you learned in church and at home is wrong, this is what's right, uh, they're trying to deny the rights of these and, and trying to tell you that this this way of living is is wrong, when it actually it's right and you need to support that. And, and here's a multicolored flag stealing the rainbow from God to declare this pride movement, and all of that's right, uh, and everything else you've been taught is wrong, and the church is wrong on this issue. So this is a very serious one, because we've got a lot of grieving parents out there, a lot of grieving people 
who are even in the lifestyle, even people who have begun to go through a transgender uh, bodily alterations and, and even taking in various hormones and so forth to adjust their bodies. And they also are going through a great deal of pain and being silenced. And we've seen some of those emails come in. We've heard those stories and, and they want that, that voice to be heard that there's a great deal of pain in this culture. That part you're not hearing. You're only hearing and seeing the celebration of this sinful choice and being told it's okay. And as long as that becomes the mainline, mainstream message, then don't worry about all the other stuff going on and the brokenness all in our culture that's being uh, alienated or saturated with other types of messaging so that you don't see the truth or hear that truth. And so, Dr. Ford, I'm really going to be eager to hear your thoughts on this, but uh, welcome back, my friend. Glad to have you here with me for this. Thank you, John. Yeah, this is a case of Jesus, you know, coming and bringing a sword, not necessarily peace. And, mm-hmm. but everything, you know, all the actions of Jesus that we see in scripture, all the words of God are spoken in love. We are made uh, in God's image. We are made to glorify God. And in that, the Bible is sort of our owner's manual of the way that God created us to function uh, in this world. And I think that it's definitely appropriate doing what we're today, speaking the truth in love, according to what the Bible has to say about this often contentious topic. And, and it's, I think what grieves my heart on this is how, uh, the, the church has broken into various camps on this, that what should be very clear biblically, that we need to call sin for what it is, it's sin. But then on the other side of it, how do we address that in the culture? How do we address that in the church? We, we navigate it very carefully. We're very gentle to those in the culture, but not compromising. We're always speaking truth, but not alienating truth uh, for, for the benefit, supposedly, and I, I use that in quotes, of saying, oh, we're just going to dilute that message lest it hurt, um, and, and trying to – we dare not be arrogant, pride-filled, going to the culture, you're sinful, and, and I'm alienating you because of this type of sexual sin that you're engaged in, and uh, calling it out in a very uh, demeaning, ugly way, as opposed to giving them the message of hope in Jesus Christ and understanding that a world that is wrought with sin all is in darkness and needing the truth of the light. But then the church is suddenly saying, you know what, let's adopt the message of the culture. Let's let's say it's all okay so that the message of the truth doesn't hurt so much. We'll adapt to the what the culture wants and, uh, and we'll just change what the Bible says on this issue or we'll just ignore it entirely or say it's some archaic form of thinking of the ancients, but it's not really what God wants for us today. We'll alter what the Bible says on this uh, because, well, that they're wrong. Now, that, that's something of tradition and not something of God's heart. And, and then creating all this division in the church, adjusting to the culture, and calling what was formerly deemed as very clear black and white as wrong is now right, and, and, and celebrating it as such. Yeah, that's interesting within the church, and you, you and I have discussed that you can have a child who comes out as homosexual and that suddenly that's a, that's traumatic. That's a big deal to you. You're overly concerned about that. You're just, you know, this is very creating a very distraught situation, but you have other kids that are committing fornication and that sort of gets a pass. So right. uh, there, there can be, I think sometimes a double standard among various sins within the church. And this is definitely one of those where sometimes we, we feel like one thing is worse than another, but I completely agree with you that scripture is very, very clear we need to discuss the truth with love. And that's, that's right. what we're doing today. We're not discussing our opinions today. What we're discussing is the truth of the Bible in a loving fashion for all those out there who may be 
involved with this particular issue or affected by this particular issue. That's right. And we all are culturally. Mm-hmm. It's not just the United States. It's all around the globe. That's right. Uh, dealing with this matter and sexual sin as a whole. And that's why we're only dealing with one aspect of that today, but it's it's growing. Uh, we're, we're seeing issues in uh, people with the leaning towards transgender type of behaviors and feeling like, well, I'm I'm a boy, but actually I think I'm a girl. And the culture is saying, yeah, you go and be a girl now. And, and celebrating these distortions, these lies. And, and that's what the Bible said would happen. That's that right. We would do those very things, especially as the days draw near to the return of Jesus Christ. And we see this throughout cultures of antiquity that were warnings to us even today. In fact, uh, on Sunday, we're going through the book of Daniel And we just wrapped up Daniel chapter 5 on Sunday. The first four chapters of Daniel were really the spiritual biography of Nebuchadnezzar and how God brought him down to show him that he's the one who's in charge of kingdoms. He gives them to whomever he chooses. And then Daniel chapter 5, what we find is 22 years had gone by after the death of Nebuchadnezzar. His grandson is now in a position of authority uh, with his father, uh, and so there was actually two kings, if you will, one over the city of Babylon and one over the kingdom of Babylon. One's in exile, so one is sort of now ruling over that territory while the other's in exile. And Belshazzar, who's now in control, this is about 22 years after Nebuchadnezzar had passed, and the whole kingdom was wrought with immorality. It had gone back into drunkenness and orgies and uh, sexual immorality running amok throughout the city. And we find that there's horrible pornographic depictions even of same-sex engagements. And so we will talk a little bit about that later. We may not be able to get through it in today's broadcast, but we'll try to cover this over these next couple weeks as we talk about this issue that antiquity has shown us over and over again through the discoveries through archaeology that as you go through Pergamos, you look at Ephesus, Colossae, Philippi, even Sodom and Gomorrah of the five cities that occupied the space known as the Dead Sea, these uh, discoveries are there for us to behold God judges uh, wickedness. God judges this immorality. And it's not something new. In fact, when Leviticus was written around 1440 or so B.C., I mean, so we're talking 3,400 plus years ago, giving us Leviticus 18 and 20, outlining all of these expressions, if you will, of sexual sin. And so we'll talk about that over these coming weeks. And as we even discuss pornography, and uh, some of that may involve even what's happening with our children and our our culture today. And, And so we have to cover the whole spectrum in some way to say, look what's happening in our society. We are living in Romans chapter 1 all around us. And what was deemed as uh, totally immoral, totally godlessness, is now being propagated as this is healthy for you. Embrace this, and shame on you, church, if you don't embrace it. And that is not the message of, of God's holy word, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, it was just but a few years ago When the Washington National Cathedral had announced, and this was a place that hosted many of the presidential inauguration services, they announced that they would begin hosting same-sex marriage ceremonies. The dean of the cathedral said, I read the Bible as seriously as fundamentalists do, and my reading of the Bible leads me to want to do this because I think it's being faithful to the kind of community that Jesus would have us be. 
Simultaneously, of course, this was during Obama's administration, Louis Giglio, who's a pastor, uh, was uninvited uh, to be able to perform one of the uh, various ceremonial services because he had given a ceremony, a message, he had given a sermon on homosexuality, in which he declared that homosexuality was a sin. He spoke negatively of it, and therefore he was no longer allowed to speak at Obama's uh, inauguration. So we have clearly demonstrated here that the attitude culturally has changed. The church has been relatively silent for the most part, and it is changing so fast, just like Neo-Babylon in 22 years from recognizing Yah and his power in that culture. And and Daniel, having been the prime minister and the voice for the people and God moving Ezekiel's down with the people and speaking the truth of Yahweh, in 22 years, they turned to gross immorality. So it doesn't take very long at all. So we're seeing that happen almost real time in our culture right before our eyes. It's like, what kind of America am I living in right now? What is happening all around me? So clearly the attitudes have changed. One recent survey found that only 37% of Americans believe homosexuality is a sin. That, that's how far that's gone. Okay, that would say that 63% now embrace it is something of just a lifestyle choice. It's no longer that the Bible has said that it is sin, that it has consequences on your culture, it has consequences on children, it has consequences on your life. You must turn from sin. You must repent and embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He is the only hope for all of us. No longer do we see it that way. Now the many churches, many denominations, Americans at large, 63% now, and just from that one survey, have said, oh, it's no longer sin. The Bible got it wrong. Churches have been wrong for all these millennia. It's not not the way it works. So, (laughs) which is just blows my mind that this would be the time and space that we occupy after having 330,000 churches in America propagating this message. And what's happening is it's eroding in the churches. Therefore, the message is eroding culturally. So if there's gray area in the pulpit, there's going to be a smoke in the pews People are going to be confused on this issue, and now that's what's happening from coast to coast and around the globe. If pastors don't preach this black and white, it is no wonder that we are losing our children because the the church of the living room of America is being lost. They don't know what truth is anymore. Who's going to give it to them if we don't give it the word of God? We don't speak truth in their lives. Uh, The reverend of a church with many homosexual members, he said this, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn anyone. (laughs) To use the gospel to condemn anyone is missing the point. This is what he says in quote. Celebrities are even being quite vocal on this. Uh, Most prominent politicians seem to support same-sex marriage, a viewpoint that just maybe, say, 30 years ago, would have sunk any president or political candidate prior to this rise of now what is deemed socially acceptable. Uh, on June 6th, or excuse, rather June 26th uh, of 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court had struck down all state bans on same-sex marriage and legalized it in all 50 states and required states to honor out-of-state same-sex marriage licenses. That was a huge turning point in this nation. Christian authors then, even uh, Christian denominations, started declaring their support for the homosexual agenda and same-sex marriage. Even one prominent 
author who I completely disagree with, Rob Bell, for example, he declared his support for same-sex marriage, commenting, I am for marriage, I am for fidelity, I am for love, whether it's a man and a woman, a woman and a woman, a man and a man, I think the ship has sailed and I think we need to affirm people wherever they are. Okay, so this man had quite the influence. I don't think he has quite that same level of influence that he did when he said those words. And praise God, I believe God has taken away that influence little by little. Uh, When you defy God like that, when you're in total blasphemy before him, there are direct consequences. And the United Methodist Church and Metropolitan Community Church, each with hundreds of congregations all around the world, are denominations now that openly support homosexual lifestyles. And so given the variety of perspectives on the issue of homosexuality, what are Christians supposed to think? Is that just something of an old antiquated thinking? Like, oh, that's just you fundamentalist traditionalists and your old school way of thinking. You're just twisting and distorting the Bible so that you can restrict the freedoms and rights and lifestyles of other people just because you're mean, right? That seems to be what you can almost hear a young person saying, flaunting it in our face as they wear their rainbow colored shirts that they just bought from Target or Kohl's or North Face or whatever. Uh, We're just seeing all of this foolishness in our culture and elevating all of this immorality. I mean, the fact that Target even uh, worked with a Satanist to create this kind of line of clothing, even tuck type swimming suits and all this horrific stuff. And I know this is a little dated news, but it's reality of what we're dealing with here, that that was somehow a test case to see what could they get away with. It's like they they keep blurring the line, pushing the limit, see how far they can go, what will be the consequences. Okay, we'll retract a little bit, but wait till next year. We're going to push it even more next year. Bud Light will just be the, the, you know, just a sliver of what they're going to try to push next year. So all this heated rhetoric just keeps coming up. So Dr. Ford, I know that time will get away from us, and and I'm going to have you set it up a little bit because we'll discuss it even more next week. It's going to be very important that we go to God's Word on this, and unfortunately, 25 minutes just flies by. We've got a lot of Scripture we want to share on this topic as we examine Romans chapter 1, Leviticus Leviticus 18 and 20. We look to Timothy. We look to Jude. The Bible is quite clear on this matter. It's not a gray area at all. It's just whether or not do we want to listen to it or not. Right. Um, so as, as we talk about this, can you help us define this for our listener right now? Uh, help us define what is homosexuality it, it, to really give us the baseline of this whole conversation. Sure. Well, the, you know, defining what homosexuality is may seem like something that most of us no doubt can do. But let's start with a definition for the purpose of our discussion. In the most basic sense, homosexuality is defined as being attracted sexually to someone of the same gender. The word homosexuality, though, is a fairly recent one in history. John Court, in his book, The Complete Book of Everyday Christianity, wrote, The term homosexuality was coined only in 1892, while the activist terms lesbian and gay are still more recent, 1970s and the 1950s, respectively. These latter terms are not synonymous with homosexuality, but were coined to express affirmation and to replace earlier terms like buggery and sodomy that had become pejorative. Homosexuality can also be used in reference to someone who is bisexual or is sexually attracted to both genders. I think as as we look at that definition and we move into the church, we'll see that by and large within the Christian church, within Christianity, there are two large, fairly polarized and opposite definitions mm-hmm. uh, and approaches in regards to homosexuality. 
First, we have a camp containing Christians who take the traditional Christian position, sometimes called by the media, the fundamentalist approach. This view considers homosexuality a perversion of God's natural order for men and women. This position also believes that those who participate in the homosexual lifestyle do so by choice. Now, the other camp contains Christians who believe that homosexuality is completely natural for those who are homosexual. Many in this camp may also add that homosexuals are born that way, meaning that homosexuality may be genetic or that God approves of the lifestyle. Although there there are actually more than two views of homosexuality, and in turn many nuances to those views, for the purposes of our discussion, I think it's reasonable that these two camps are a broad way of us discussing the issue. In short, we have those in favor of homosexuality and those who are opposed to it. Mm. Although professing Christians may be found in both camps, the majority of evangelicals are opposed to the homosexual lifestyle on biblical grounds. We'll see later that some evangelicals base their opposition to homosexuality on extra-biblical arguments as well as biblical grounds. So, Pastor John, now that we've defined homosexuality and, and talked about the positions within the church, what does the Bible have to say regarding homosexuality? And that's really all that matters, right? I mean, it, it doesn't matter what you and I give an opinion to this or anybody right. out there can so give an right. opinion. And then they can distort science or uh, any type of cultural factors all they want to, which is nothing new under the sun. About every society has done this. And it almost seems like at the peak of their societal advancements, when they started elevating sexual prowessness and immorality of all sorts, even in the temples, and it was propagated throughout society at large. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, even various uh, images depicting all of this horrible sexual activity. I mean, there's even even in Ephesus, you go to Acts chapter 19 and you see the riot that breaks out there as they're worshiping Artemis in their culture. And Paul was speaking out against such things. At that time, even through Pergamus and Ephesus, you could see that some of the historians have said how they were men were castrating themselves in, in worship to Artemis to be able to serve in her temple. Uh, in, in various images of Sibylle, we see that she evolves with images of having her with a beard. Um, I mean, all sorts of distortions culturally. This was not something that has recently just happened in the world and its history. This has been going on and on and on. I, I think it probably was at that peak even higher before the flood. You know, we read that Pharaoh hardened his heart six times before judgment came on Egypt. We read in the book of Revelation how the people will harden their hearts six times when called to repent. You almost wonder if Enoch had recorded before the flood that the people hardened their hearts six times before the flood came upon them. So God is gracious and merciful, holding back judgment that is rightly due. But yet we keep flaunting our sin to a, to a level to where he has to act against it. And then he leaves us the archaeology, the archaeology of this to say, this is an example to you. Don't do that again. And, and then we do it again. And we're just a broken record of repetition of forgetting the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, turning right back to sinful immorality, and then wondering why there's judgment that, that comes to head on this and, and, and occurs. But from a biblical perspective, which again, all that matters, that's what we want to cover. We're out of time today, Dr. Ford, and I'm, I'm going to really just highlight for us the fact that I would encourage anyone to go back to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Genesis chapter 2, Matthew 19, Proverbs 18. We're going to talk about God's definition for marriage 
And then next week, we'll get into Leviticus 18 and 20, 1 Timothy chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Romans chapter 1, Deuteronomy chapter 22, Jude 1, 7, amongst many others, the Bible is quite clear on this issue. So it won't matter what we talk about in our opinion. So next week, we're going to get right into this. Not only are we going to give a biblical definition of these things, why it's sin, and then what do we do about it? Do, do we just tell everybody you're, you're in sin and immorality, you're wicked, you're evil? Or how do we then handle it and say, we're going to hold firm to truth, but we also have to be salt and light in the culture to represent Christ, to bring them to that hope in Jesus Christ, and to do so in a way that honors God, but never, and, and the only way to honor God is to never compromise his truth, and to be spokespeople of truth, and to do so in a loving way, God-honoring way in a fruitful way, because there is a big harvest out there, and, and people need to hear the hope in Jesus Christ our Lord, no matter what type of sexual sin they're in, right? Yeah. And, and that can be heterosexual sin, and Leviticus 18 and 20 talk a lot about that too. That's right. Right? So we're not giving anybody a pass here. <laughs> we all fall short of the glory of God, and we Man. have to address these issues. That's just one type of sexual sin. And so we'll cover a number of these perhaps over the next few weeks. So I want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth here today. Maybe we got you riled up a little bit. Maybe piqued your interest to tune in again next week. Maybe you want some information about this. We can equip you with a number of resources at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. You can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. And we'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.